Blog Talk Radio. It's kind of easy when you listen to the G'd up sound. Pioneer speaker pumper, now the smoke on the pound. I got the sound for your ass and it's easy to see. That this DJ, D, Wall, and G. Can I get in where I'm sitting? Sitting, listen, let me conversate. Better yet, regulate. Shake the spot with my knot. May, say, cause I don't like to dream about Welcome to another Monday edition of the No Huddle Show. Uh, do we got Sam on the line? Yes, sir. What's going on, Mike? All right. Hey, welcome, Sam. So Sam is out uh, of the studio uh, doing this thing up in Michigan again. How, how's, uh, how's everything going, man? It's going. It's going. I'm watching. Uh, um, well, I mean, not watching. I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot of articles about how the Lions may go 0-17 this year. <laughs> and it's and it's very like uh, it, it's it's hurt, it's it's a little hurtful because they're a very proud uh, you know sports base with the Tigers and the Red Wings and the Pistons like a a storied you know a city you know um, it's very strange because they got rid of Stafford and they're gonna go zero and six seventeen and right before they got Stafford they, they went. Oh, and 16, so, like, two years before that, so, it's hilarious. Like, you 07, know, I believe. I didn't expect them to be 0 and 8, especially when they barely lost to San Francisco, Baltimore, Minnesota, you know, the Rams they played the tough. They've been blown out by Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Green Bay, but they've been blown out by, like, strange opponents, but then they, they against contenders, they've kept it surprisingly close. So it's very, it's a very weird team the way it's structured. Other than the Bengals, who's also a contender, and they got blown out by thirty-four to eleven. See, that's again. So that's they didn't get blown out. They gave away the game, but like that's again. That's I still see that. Still see that as an anomaly. You know, thirty-four to eleven to the Bengals, and the Bengals pulled their starters when they were up thirty-four to three. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Like, uh, you know, with the with the Bengals, with the Bengals, I'm saying the they're they're a little bit more. I, like I said, the, the loss to the Jets is like like the year the Cowboys lost to the Jets that when they had two wins. Like I think it was like two years ago when they picked up Sam Darnold. They had they won two games, and one of them was against the Cowboys, and that was definitely not supposed to happen. But it somehow miraculously happened, right? The, the thing about the Jets game, and I know we'll get to that here in a little bit, um, but real quick before, um, um, uh, you know, and we'll cover it more, is I I honestly think that the Bengals, it was a trap game. They, they come, they're they going off the high, blown out the Ravens, and then they were looking to the Browns the next week. And the, let's not forget, like, the Jets, the Jets are not great, but they also have a win against the Titans this year. And other than really the Patriots, who have beat the piss out of them in two games, they've been in a lot of games. They barely lost to Carolina week one. They barely lost to Atlanta and England. And then you, you have the Bengals win and the Titans win, you know, kind of in between uh, blowouts of the Patriots and then getting just smashed by Denver in Denver. So 
Yeah, we'll we'll get to all that uh, later on in the show. But you know, I I don't think the Jets are a terrible team. Um, you know, they're probably going to win four or five games this year. But they're they're one of those teams that, you know, it's the NFL, man. And a lot of times teams lose to teams they shouldn't, depending on the week. So, it, it, I just I know we want to we will probably retouch on this. You know, uh, you know, again at some point. But again, spend about thirty seconds just to. To let you know that, you know, um, with the Titans win though, you know, the Titans had no receivers, uh, you know, against the Jets. Um, they yeah. had no Julio Jones, no AJ Brown. They only had Derrick Henry, and he really didn't start like rolling until the second half. So uh, it's it was a weirder game. Whereas the Bengals, they had all their weapons. They had Mixon healthy. They had Jamar Chase and Higgins and and everybody else. Um, so it, it's it, again. You're absolutely right. Anything can literally anything can happen week in week out on the in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say about that is you're right. The Bengals were healthy, but scoring points was not the issue against the Jets. The defense was. Oh yeah, no, yes, absolutely, hundred and ten percent. I I will wholeheartedly agree with that. But you know, uh, I, I don't know. I think the Bengals defense is better than the Titans. I don't know if the, the the comparison between the Titans and the the Bengals is the is the right comp because I think Cincinnati's a better team. Like the the Titans could have been a loss without having those. Or could have been a win w- without those two players and a couple other key figures. But like the Bengals should have been a loss. They had they were they had them favored by like eleven points or something like that. I think we yeah. both lost them right this week in the line. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. So. Um... A little bit of college uh, football to, you know, the coaching carousel is starting to spin up. Uh, we already know that USC is open. We now we already know that LSU is going to be open. Now TCU is looking like it's going to be open. Gary, Gary Patterson's gone at the end of this year, or he's gone now. I apologize. Um, and now Florida, uh, apparently Dan Mullen is on the hot seat extraordinarily. Leaves a lot of jobs with it. Um, with the Do you coach- think any uh, NFL coaches are going to be enticed to, to make the, to move, make the move and, and give college a shot? Honestly, there's one, and there's rumblings about him already not being long for the NFL. It's Matt Rule. You think he's had enough of the NFL? He wants to go back to college? I think so. I think here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize when you get to the NFL, and that's why it's it's not all coaches can succeed at each level, right? Because in the NFL, some coaches succeed because they don't have to do any of the recruiting. They just have to sit there and coach. They just got to, you know, the GM drafts for them and they coach them up, and that's fine. So in a sense, sometimes that works for guys who maybe college – but do better in the NFL, which I, I'm having a hard time thinking. Wait, I, I'm going to interrupt and ask you a quick question, though. Like, so you're saying most coaches don't have a say about who's getting drafted? I don't believe so. I believe that the GM and the president of football operations and the owner, I believe that the coach might have input of who he wants but doesn't have a final say in who the team drafts. See, I, the the Sean McVay's. I mean, Bill Belichick is different. He holds like a dual role, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. But like the the McVay's, your um, uh, uh, let's say even say your uh, 
who is uh, Rabel. Rabel makes his own picks. Um, I, I, I think that they like they have the input, but if they really like a player, it's like almost uh, a push. Like, hey, you guys really need to take a look at this player because of X, Y, Z. Well, I'll say this. Uh, John Lynch really liked Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan really liked Mac Jones. Who did the 49ers draft? Yeah, they went with Lance. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, coaches have zero input, but when it comes to college, coaches have all the input because they're the ones doing the recruiting. They're picking and choosing. They're the ones that are that are trying to get these, uh, you know, five-star recruits, four-star recruits to come and right. to figure out the, the, the nature of the, the school, the program, how it's or built. It, just best fit. it doesn't have to be all four- and five-star guys, you know. It's just well, it could guys. be, like, just filling out the team. Or just guys that fit the culture, okay, or guys that fit the system that they're installing, right? So Scott Frost does, makes, all his, makes all the decisions on who gets picked? Correct. That's crazy. I didn't know the head coach has all the power when yeah, it comes to – work with is the assistants and like the assistant coaches have certain areas you know every team is different but for nebraska their assistant coaches have certain regions that they that they're responsible for not positions they're regional okay and then other teams have coaches that are responsible for certain positions right but uh you know they have a game plan but it's it's doled out by frost and frost has the ultimate say of who's going to get it scholarship offer and who isn't and you know in the college game you have to be able to recruit and right now one of the big question marks uh as you know uh, per a story in the athletic is that dan mullen is not recruiting he's a terrible recruiter which is the first i've heard florida usually gets top 10 classes but one thing i didn't think about that the article states that florida is such a hotbed for recruiting is that you can oh yeah it's like the region to 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 grab uh, your five star, four star, your big, your big guys, your, you right. know, your top hundred players in the country. A lot of them fall in that region. They do, and basically, you can roll out a bat as a head coach of Florida and land a top fifteen class. But they're saying that his teams don't try hard; they quit. So I feel like Dan Mullen right now is on his seat is scorching, and uh, we got some more, you know, coaching. You know, we had Texas Tech that recently opened up, so. One of the things that I'm interested in, and I've heard rumblings about Frost being gone at the end of the season, is that the Purdue game was a chance for him to save his job, and they lost. And um, I think Nebraska – But he's in his fourth year now, right? He's in his fourth year. He's already – he's three and six now, and the Huskers are guaranteed their fourth straight losing season. He's in his fourth year. And I still don't understand how one game decides whether you get the boot or not in the season. Like, I, I I think they would have figured out in the first couple of weeks after three years no, that it's not it's, cutting it. It's not that. It's The Huskers were 3-5 and five going into Purdue. They beat Purdue. They're 4-5. and five. Then they win a couple games near the end, and all of a sudden they're winning, looking at maybe six, seven wins, and there's a possibility there's hope there. But now you have a three and six team that's staring at Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa to end the season. Ohio, Even if you get six wins, it's not guaranteed that. No, well, right, but to get six wins, you have to beat. You got to beat top. top and, and we haven't beaten Ohio State or Wisconsin since the 2012 season. 
And we have not beat Iowa since Bo Pelini was head coach, and that was last in 2014. So you're now saying to get to bowl eligibility, six wins, you now have to beat three teams, two of which you haven't beaten almost a decade, and one that you haven't beaten in seven years. So I, I don't think it looks good for Frost, but I know from what I'm hearing is the Huskers have – they're keeping their uh, – close to the best. They have a couple names that they're interested in, but a lot's going to hinge on what USC and LSU do. Because based on who they hire, will determine what jobs become open. Because what, what can happen is, let's say James Franklin out of Penn State takes the USC job. Now all of a sudden Penn State's open. Penn State looks like a likely landing spot for someone like Matt Campbell out of Iowa State or Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. Then, you know, let's say Mel Tucker – takes the LSU job as he's a rumored candidate for the LSU job. Now all of a sudden Michigan State's open, so who do they go after? So I know that Nebraska has their list of guys. Um, There's a top three list. Um, Some names um, will sound familiar to some people, others maybe not so much. But I think a lot will hinge first on USC, LSU, and how they fill their vacancies. But it's going to be a crazy season because Florida could be Florida could come open, Michigan if they unravel. They we saw them lose to Michigan State, blowing a huge lead. They blew a huge lead to Michigan State. That was a great game, though, wasn't it? Was that not an absolutely phenomenal game, back and forth? But Michigan was up thirty to fourteen, blew that game. They blew that game, and so if Michigan now Michigan still has games now. Their final four games are against. Indiana, Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. If they lose winnable games, State, some winnable games, right? Two. Certainly some winnable games, absolutely. If they lose to Penn State and Ohio State and they finish 9-3, and three, Harbaugh, his, yeah, they're winning. They're not winning enough to satisfy Michigan. And the fact that Harbaugh has never beaten Ohio State since he's been there is not going to cut it for them. It's, it's it's not so it's it's going to get kind of crazy here, um, with um, with the coaching carousel. This is the this is the crazy season, man. You start to see little, little quick quick note. I'm sorry, I want to interrupt and let you know when I was working at the University of Michigan, um, I, I it was like a game week and there was a massive crowd following Harbaugh as he was walking around. Yeah. Up and down like a, a, it's like a frat house row, I guess you can call it, right by, um, right by center campus, and it was just, it was the whole campus felt like it was alive, you know, um, when he yeah. first got there, and I can totally see, kind of feeling where like when you've won, you've had winning seasons, that's great, but you really haven't got, taken it to the next level, right? Right. Right. And speaking of taking it to the next level, you have UC who's currently 8-0, ranked number two in the country. Some say they need style points in order to get the college football playoff bid. In their last two games, both on the road, at Navy and at Tulane, they've not won convincingly. Uh, Navy, they won 27-20. Tulane, they won 31-12. But this was a game that they really didn't put away until late in the game. Uh, It was – Looking around the third quarter, it was only 21. It was actually 14-12 to 12 at the half for UC, and then UC scored a touchdown. It was 21-12 going into the fourth quarter, and they finally put them away in the fourth quarter. But that was a game 
against a 1-7 Tulane team. I know they gave Oklahoma some fits early, but that was a game that Cincinnati needs to kind of make an example of. There's some people Have they played a lot of ranked opponents this year? Well, no, but they don't play in a big-time conference, but they did beat Indiana on the road, who at the time was ranked in the top 20, and then they beat a top-10 Notre Dame team on the road. Uh, Those are two impressive wins, I would say. They are. The problem is Cincinnati plays in the American Athletic Conference. They got Tulsa coming up this week. Then they go to UCF. Then they get number 23 SMU, and then they're at East Carolina. And then – so they don't have a lot of – room to prove themselves. I still think UC deserves a shot, especially if they go undefeated, but there's a lot of naysayers out there who believe that UC doesn't deserve to get in based on their schedule because Indiana has not been the team that we thought they would be. Uh, Indiana was a preseason top 15 team, and they are currently dead last in the Big Ten East with an 0-5 conference record and 2-6 and overall. Yeah, they fall flat. They fell flat on their face. Yeah, they fell flat on their face. So they're not the team that we thought they were. Um, So it's going to be tough. But, you know, luckily for UC, it's been a topsy-turvy season. We have Clemson that's down. You have Alabama who's lost a game already. Uh, You have Oklahoma that's seemingly been struggling, even though they're still undefeated. Uh, the Big Ten is, is possibly going to cannibalize itself with Michigan losing to Michigan State. Mich- Ohio State, mind you, still has to play um, Michigan State and Michigan, and then they would also potentially get either Minnesota or Wisconsin or possibly Iowa in the Big Ten title games. And, and you know, they they did beat Minnesota earlier this season, but Ohio State's going to have a shot to kind of possibly push their way back into the college football playoffs. So very interesting. I think Cincinnati needs to start rooting for, you know, a couple losses from – they need a loss from Oklahoma. They probably need, you know, uh, would like to root for maybe a Georgia or another Ohio State loss. So we'll see what happens. But I, I, in my opinion, I still think Cincinnati is deserving of a shot. But we'll see how the committee votes on it. <laughs> Hey, let me ask you a question. Um, you know how, you know, uh, with March Madness, they have, you know, almost um, an even table gives everybody a chance, 1 through 64, right? Um, yeah. Gives them an opportunity. 64 can upset 25 if they wanted, right? Um, do you think that kind of system would ever work for college football? No, I don't think you could ever do – A, I don't think you could give that many teams. Now, there is talk about expansion to go from – Well, maybe not 64, but something along the same – route, something along the same, you know, avenue of, of what they have set up for college basketball. So like, let's say you did, like, six, let's say you did 12 teams where basically all the uh, all the conference champions got in. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's ten conferences. So if you took 12 teams, the ten conference winners plus two wild card teams, Right. It doesn't work like it does in basketball because in football there's such a disparity between winning the Sun Belt Conference and, like, winning the ACC or the SEC. In college basketball, it's a little bit different because let's say you have a team like Belmont out of the – I forget which conference they're in. They're out of a small mid-major conference. Belmont could have a team, a starting five of four seniors and one sophomore – and they've been playing together for a while. And then they could, let's say they 
face Kentucky in this in this first round. The reason you see upsets is because so many of these power conference teams like Kentucky do they, they lose their players right to the draft. They go one and done, or they go two and done, and they have to restart with brand new players. And then if you're playing a mid-major team, and as you know, in basketball, it only takes one or two guys to be really good. In football, it's you got to have defense, you got to have a quarterback, you got to have skill players. There's so many much more involved that I don't, I couldn't see like a, like a Cinderella run if you put all the teams in and a team from the MAC like like Miami of Ohio going on a run and, you know, making it to the national title game. It, it, it's not likely right. it, It's not likely to happen in football. Right. And the, the only reason why I ask that is because you're weaker conferences, right? Like your uh, Pac-12 uh, or whatever you want to – oh, Pac-12 is pretty good, right? So like your mountain conferences, yeah. right? Um, they're, they're not full of strong programs that are always competing. Maybe division, like – you know, maybe possibility they, they they see the same they see the same opponents every every year, right? So, you know, you, with you saying Cincinnati being eight and zero, they're in. Would you say a weaker conference than like the SEC, right? No, or the, or, of course, it's not a Power Five conference, which are which are as of right now the ACC. And that hurts your your chances, right, for the college football playoffs. It right? does because you're not playing the same schedule, right? Like, imagine if. You're in, like if Cincinnati had to play. Let's just say they're in the Big Ten, and they have to play Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Minnesota. Oh, that changes everything, right? I don't know if they know. I don't know if yeah, they know at that point. Yeah, how many games are they winning, right? As opposed to they get Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, East, East Carolina. Way more favorable, obviously. Way right? more favorable, obviously. Now, in the American, you know, they might have one or two difficult games like a Houston or a Memphis or a UCF, but playing one or two difficult games other than the grind, think about, I mean, look, think of, this is why it's so impressive for Alabama. Think of how easy they make it look because they routinely win all their games or only lose one. And they're in the toughest, right? The SEC is the toughest, right? Yeah, the SEC is the toughest. You got, you know, Alabama's got to play Auburn, Ole Miss. Texas A&M, LSU, Mississippi State, then they have crossover games with, like, Tennessee, maybe Florida, and then they got to play SEC – this year, if they get to the SEC championship game, they got to play Georgia, who's undefeated right now. So, like, yeah. the, the schedule difficulty for Cincinnati is not as great, but I still think because beating Indiana on the road, beating Notre Dame on the road, and if they go undefeated, they deserve a shot to play for it all. I agree with you. It gives the little man, the smaller man, the chance to and, to um, compete with on the bigger stage. A lot of times, we never. The reason we don't talk about other mid majors in the college football playoff is they don't have the resume that Cincinnati has this year. They don't I play Notre Dame. Play a Big Ten team that that was a hair away from winning the conference championship last year. They don't play teams like that. And, you know, it's not Cincinnati's fault that Indiana's no good this year. It's not their fault. You know, uh, so... If Indiana was tearing it up, then maybe their rank... I mean, their chances would be better because they beat a higher-ranked opponent. I think so. All right, we spent we spent some time on college football, huh? 
We did. We spent a little bit of time in college football, quite a bit. Now we're going to go quickly into the World Series before moving on to some more of our subjects here. Uh, the Fall Classic, we got Game 2 tomorrow. Hey, man, were you completely off about the Braves or what? What's that? Were you completely off about the Braves or what? No, I picked the Braves. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you picked the Braves to win it. No, but you know what? When 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 it started, you were like, eh, I don't know if, if the Braves are going to get past the, you know, uh, the Dodgers. And But I'll tell you what, this World Series has been an interesting one. And it seems to me, if you look at the games here going back through game five, it looks like the team the team that has won has jumped out to an early lead. So game one, uh, the Braves jumped out to a five to nothing lead in the first three innings. Game two, the Astros jumped out to a 5-1 to one lead after two innings. Game three, the Braves uh, had a one nothing lead after three. They only won 2 to nothing. The Braves also won game four. Uh, that was the one game where they did not score first, that they ended up winning. And then game five, the Astros jumped out. Or the Braves actually jumped out to a 4 nothing lead after one inning, and then the and then uh, the Astros kind of poured it on, winning nine to five. So game four and five have been anomalies from the first three games. Curious how game six is going to turn out tomorrow. Max Fried is on the mound against Luis Garcia. Now Fried was lit up in his other appearance uh, in the World Series. In your most recent memory, what would you say is the closest comparison to, like, a World Series matchup of this, you know, uh, level? I I don't know. I mean, honestly, the Braves and the Dodgers have done a great – or Braves and Dodgers. The Braves and the Astros have done great jobs of basically home-growing their talent. Um, I – it's it's hard to go back and say, okay, well, this team was like this. Team. Would it be like a Mariners appearance, you know, or something like that? Not Mariners, sorry, yeah, but Marlins appearance. No, I don't think so. Not like because the Braves were favored before the injury started. The Braves were uh, the favored team uh, before uh, all the injuries. So I would say this is more like a couple of years ago uh, when you had um, – the Texas Rangers were in the World Series uh, playing. I God, I can't even remember who uh, who they played uh, back. Uh, they, but they went to back to back World Series, um, and they were very good. That was a homegrown team. Oh, they lost to the Giants one year, uh, and then they lost again, uh, I believe, to it might have been the Giants again. But they went to back to back World Series. They lost. Um, but that was a team full of homegrown talent. Um, I, I would say it kind of reminds me of that the Astros are a team that's now been here three out of five years. And at the time, the Giants had been in the World Series three out of six years. So that that would be my closest comparison. And, and those Giants teams had really good pitching, right? <laughs> yeah, they had excellent pitching uh, led by Madison Bumgarner and a few other guys. But, man, um, I – I hope the Braves win because I don't like cheaters, but man, if the Braves can do it this year, I you got to look for them to possibly be a team that gets back next year because they'll be healthy next year. 
And you would say they're relatively young. Very young. Is, is, is young Very enough to, to kind of string together maybe a couple of consecutive successful seasons, right? I think they need a little bit more pitching, maybe another frontline starter. But, yeah, absolutely the team that could. If they win the World Series this year, they're going to be primed to make another appearance next year. And you think Houston kind of dismantles after this year if they lose? No, they won't dismantle. But, you know, they'll find a way to cheat their way back to the postseason. <laughs> All right. Um, Man, we had uh, – you know, so we're, we're through Halloween already, man. That came and went by really fast. We're already in November. We have the holidays fast approaching. Um, but, you know, I, I was out trick-or-treating with the kids last night. Uh, we had a lot of fun. But it brought me to the trick-or-treat etiquette, dude. Like, so many kids don't know trick-or-treat etiquette, and it's shocking to me. They just kind of walk up with their bags open, expecting the candy, and you know, there's no trick or treat or happy Halloween. And no, no, no. You got to do the trick or treat, and then someone's got to hopefully at some point, if you get noticed based on your costume, they're going to be like, "Hey, well, what are you supposed to be?" And you're like, "Hey, I'm supposed to be Ultimate Warrior, or blah blah blah, or whatever else." And exactly. You know. And you know how many kids don't say thank you after getting the candy? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It's just it's it's this generation, man. You know, you can't teach them etiquette. No, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, yeah. Now, one thing I didn't see, and maybe it's just a neighborhood I'm in, or maybe I'm, I was just a dick, but I remember being, like, a teenager on Halloween and pranking stuff. Like, we used to go toilet paper houses, egg people's houses. Oh, yeah. we. I mean, we had mischief night, right, the night before Halloween. Everyone kind of went wild, running around, goofing off, doing things. What we used to do is when we were in, in uh, when we were teenagers, like probably sophomore in high school, uh, me and my buddy, we actually hid in a friend's uh, car in the trunk, like not fully closed, and we pulled up next to trick-or-treaters, and we scared, jumped out of the car and scared them and took their candy. That's so, all right. Wait, wait. All right. We're going to put it on the poll. What's worse, scaring little kids and taking their candy or egging houses? It's going up on the poll right now. I think it's uh, scaring little kids, but, uh, I mean, hey, man, free candy, free candy, right? <laughs> I'm a dick. I thought I was a dick for egging houses. That can be washed off, but you scarred children's psyches. You're much Not like they weren't going to get the candy anyways, you know. They, they got more, I'm sure, of it. <laughs> wow. All right. So there you have it. Sam likes to scare children. <laughs> Not really. I mean, um, like I said, again, you do things, you know, when you're when you're a teenager, and and uh, hey, it is what it is. So, I wanted to ask you too. I've been watching a lot of action movies. I've been on a big action movie kick lately, man. I think I just watched Law Abiding Citizen the other day. I was watching Mad Max Fury Road as well. Yeah, I had that on repeat for a couple of days actually. Been the fantastic movie. So let me ask you: If you were kidnapped and your life was dependent on being rescued by a fictional action hero, who are you trusting the most to come save you in time? Oh, that is so tough, man. There's, that's so tough to do, dude. <laughs> that is so tough. You go first. I got to think. Right, no, I've had this. I've had this teed up since we since we prepped for the show. John Wick. 
Damn. Yeah, yeah. John Wick. I hey, ring, ring. Hey, John. I'm in a little bit of trouble. I need some help. Can you uh, come come take care of me? Oh, you you just coming by yourself? You and your dog? No problem. Yep. Yeah. Y'all are fucked. You look around. Look at everybody. Everybody's screwed right here. Oh yeah. They called him the boogeyman because he could kill everybody in the room in a matter of seconds. There's a lot of tough ones to choose from. But John Wick popped into my head instantaneously. I thought, okay, well, you got. So you can't go. You can't go with like a superhero because that's just unfair, right? Yeah, you can't be like, hey, I'm gonna call Iron Man, Batman and he's gonna come say no. It, so yeah. it's got to be like characters. Obviously, it's they're movie fictional characters, but like uh, they have to be human. They can't be superhuman. Yeah, like you could take uh, Sylvester Stallone from Demolition Man. What uh, I forget what his name was in that um, John Spartan, um, or you could take like Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator, or you could take like Jason Statham from The Transporter, you know, or you could have like Tom Cruise, Jack Reacher, right? But none of these guys, all these guys, pale in comparison to John Wick, man. Yeah, again, I'm uh, like I'm thinking like. You know Rambo. Rambo, there you, you go. You know, I, I'm, I, but those guys again, they they you're absolutely right. They they completely pale in comparison. I mean, maybe maybe uh, uh, this guy from uh, Denzel Washington, the Equalizer. Oh, the Equalizer, that's a good one. He's, John He's pretty Wick. close. He gets a little close, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to go with John Wick, man. I'm giving John a call and saying, "Hey, listen, man, save my ass, please." He's got my John Wick's got my back, man. <laughs> maybe hey that maybe goes up on the poll who knows yeah okay that's another one we're gonna put up on the poll who would you want to save your life uh fictional characters only um so we got uh, a couple pay-per-views coming up aew's got another pay-per-view coming up soon um that looks to be uh building as aew full gear um, they've been going toe-to-toe with WWE. Uh, recently, CM Punk has come out and uh, stated that uh, he's bored of the WWE formula, which is bring back a retired or old-school star for Royal Rumble, let them win it, and let them headline WrestleMania. And that seems, you look at Batista, uh, you look at uh, Edge, you yep. look at bringing back Brock Lesnar, and that's the other thing. Right now, they turned WWE turned to Brock Lesnar, the feud with Roman Reigns, and what you know? Why why are you not pushing new blood? So that yeah, I, I think we had this conversation you know a, a while ago. We started this and we never really got to finish it because so much uh, other stuff has happened, like with with sports, football, everything else, you know. I, I I like to focus back to wrestling, and I'm going to say it. You know, we, we've said it before. We'll say it again. WWE needs a new recipe for success. They cannot keep turning to the John Cena's, the Brock Lesnar's, the Edge, the, your you know, uh, your older guys. You just you can't. I love them. Trust me. I grew up watching these guys. Right. So uh, I mean, most of them are pretty much gone. But like. You know, we grew up watching these the, these characters kind of develop, and it's like it, it's enough now. You got to write them out of the story, or you have to use them to bring the newer guys up, which is what AEW doing, right? Yeah, use them or use them to get guys, new guys over, and that's been a big problem for WWE is new guys 
are not getting over. And John Moxley is killing it in AEW. Uh, he was Dean Ambrose in the WWE. Yeah. I have no idea why they let go of Dean Ambrose. He's one of my favorite characters in WWE. I thought he was like a, a version of like a modern day mankind almost, right? You know, just like reckless abandon for everything. Well, with his attitude and the way he kind of could be, I thought he could have been like another Stone Cold. He wasn't as good on the mic as Stone Cold. Right. His mic work needs a lot of help. That's why I, I kind of – even Mankind's uh, mic work was short. He, he, yeah. he did his work. He did his job, you know, on yeah. the mic too. Um, we'll see what happens. But AEW full gear coming up soon. Uh, so let me ask you a question now. Um, You have your, you know, cream of the crop pay-per-view for WWE and your top of the top for AEW going on the same night, which one do you watch? AEW right now. Oof. That's a that's a tough one to hear because, you know, I know how big of a wrestling fan you are, and, and to say AEW just shows that you're just going for quality over, you know, garbage, I guess. Fresh matchups, and I'm not getting it in WWE. I've seen Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I've seen, you know, great – Seth Rollins and Big E, that, that should be fun. But you're telling me I get to see CM Punk go up against, you know, um, Eddie Kingston. Uh, I could possibly see Brian Danielson uh, against Kenny Omega uh, or possibly somebody else. Um, Chris Jericho going, uh, going up against people, uh, new young fresh stars. It just the matchups are so much better in AEW currently because they here's the thing with WWE they also don't push guys or they book guys wrong so it's you get you might get a matchup that seems enticing like uh, let's just put it out there like a, like a Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns you know who's winning that matchup even if it's a fresh matchup because guys have yeah a, yeah you have a pre you have a you have a notion of which direction it's going to be going in before it even starts. And that's the thing is AEW, so many different guys have been built to look strong that know what should happen. It's like you can, you could look forward to a lot more upsets possibly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you got, so just this paper. And that makes for exciting entertainment actually, to be honest with you. That's what kind of drives the, the wrestling industry is just surprises and, and, you know, complete turnarounds and, and really interesting heels, and that's what makes for good entertainment, I think. So this is a – listen to this, man. This is going to be a hell of a pay-per-view. You have, you have to open – to open the pay-per-view, the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament, Tournament Final. So you have a triple threat match between John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, and Brian Danielson. The winner gets to face Kenny Omega for the championship. Oh, that's great. Or possibly Hangman Adam Page. You have Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page uh, for the AEW World Championship. You have Dr. Britt Baker versus Tay Conti for the AEW Women's Championship. You have a 10-man street fight tag team matchup uh, featuring the inner circle of Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara uh, versus Men of the Year and American Top Team. And then you have a tag team match featuring the Lucha Brothers uh, versus FTR. And then you have Darby Allen, who's incredibly fun to watch, versus MJF, who's 
the best, one of the best talkers in, in pro wrestling right now. So it's a stacked card, man. So I just, I don't know, man. If you tell me, you know, if I look at Survivor Series, I don't know if they'll be going head-to-head, but, man, AEW right now is just better. It, it's it's winning the, the, the battle. It's winning Absolutely. the battle. So uh, going to the NFL now, we got 20 minutes left. This is all, you know, this usually the NFL usually encompasses uh, about 40% of our show. And so um, we had a pretty crazy week three. Right now we have the Giants and the and the uh, Chiefs going on. Chiefs have a 7 to nothing lead right now. But there was a lot of, I don't know if I would call them upsets, but there was a lot of surprises. New Orleans beating Tampa Bay. Um, I thought it was kind of shocking uh, New England getting the best of the Chargers, uh, the Jets beating Cincinnati, um, Pittsburgh even beating Cleveland on the road I thought was kind of surprising. That was really, really weird because I very confidently started Cleveland defense, which gave me a solid four points, you know, from a fantasy perspective. But I really expected them – to kind of fall flat on their face, and they didn't. Uh, that just goes to show me how crazy this AFC North division is. Like, it's just fully nuts. Like, it, the, the, all the teams are good. All of them. Every single team is good. And then you look at the AFC, like, Patriots, crap. That division's Dolphins. full of trash. Dolphins even worse. Exactly. Trash. All these teams are completely trash. The only team is the Bills, you know. AFC South, which is even worse, with oh, the Texans and the Jaguars. God, God, that and Carolina's in that too, isn't it? No, Carolina's no. in the AFC South. Okay, sorry. AFC South is Tennessee. But Atlanta's in that. Atlanta's in that. No, Atlanta's in the NFC South. NFC South, sorry. AFC South is Tennessee, the Colts, the Jaguars, and the Texans. Yeah, that's another trash division as well. NFC East, another garbage division. The Cowboys are taking that. You know. Yeah, the Cowboys are taking it, which is the Giants are terrible. The Eagles are not very good this year. The Redskins don't seem to be the same team. Washington football team, let's get it right. Yeah. No more Redskins. Oh, yeah. bro. I'm sorry. I forgot. They were the Redskins for 35 years of my life. So it's it's hard to uh, to, old habits die hard. So uh, we were talking about the Jets and the Bengals earlier. It was an impressive win for the Jets. One thing that I – can't get over okay is Mike White the Bengals defense made Mike White look like Patrick Mahomes completely honest with you I don't think they uh, they knew that Zach Wilson was going to be out right they I, I believe they took the game a lot lighter than they should have and it was a classic trap game. We see it all the time in college football. You come off an emotional big win against a big-time rival, and you have another big game staring you in the face. But in between, you have a team that's not very good. And that's how upsets happen. And you're really not focused on that team as much because you're worried about what's coming after that team. Right. And you want to look forward, and you kind of fall flat in your face. Exactly. And it happens in the NFL all the time, man. Like – you know, there's been lots of times. We almost saw it with the Ravens and the Lions. If not for – That's unreal. And that's even at that disparity between, like, how good you are and how good the other team is, that is so wide. That gap is so wide in that game. I would yeah. say with the Bengals it's a little bit closer because at that point, like, Lamar really was, was playing like an MVP guy, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, they were. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's just to me, like like I said, anything can happen. Buffalo lost to Pittsburgh in week one. Green Bay got trounced by the Saints in week one. Weird things happen sometimes. So, uh, in, a, in a loss in the NFL, hell, even like four or five losses in the NFL don't kill you like it does in college football. Right. right. Correct. You, Correct. I, I mean, you guys play, we play, I mean, the NFL plays a lot more games than colleges too, right? Well, the NFL currently right now they play a 17-game schedule. College football plays a 12-game regular season schedule. Then if you count the conference championships, that's 13 games, and then you get the bowl game or something else. But let's call it a regular season-wise, 13 games for most college football teams that play. That's a month more, but that's a month more of, of football than, right. than the NFL plays. But also, and you know, in the NFL, you'll make the playoffs as a as a in, you know. If you were in the 16-game season, you made the playoffs as a 10-16. and 16. Well, if, if the equivalent of that in college football is basically going 8-4 and four, and you're not playing – you don't have a shot to play for the national title at 8-4. and four, Correct. But you do well with the 10-16. So, But, you know, um, I'll, you know, the Bengals, hopefully they bounce back. They got the Browns coming up next week. Um, I think that's going to be a tough matchup, too, because I think the Browns are going to be looking – to kind of exact their revenge for losing to Pittsburgh. So they have to be careful. Broken, man. And it's a home game for Cincinnati, but that offense of Baker Mayfield yeah. looks broken right now. It does. It does. Uh, the Rams. They're missing Hunt. They're missing a healthy Chubb, right? So yeah. They don't really have receivers, though, man. Beckham. They don't. Have... Beckham kind of t- is toast. Landry's toast. You know, these guys are not – they're not it. They're not it. So if you're the Browns, and let's say someone was offering you a second-round pick for OBJ, do you trade him? Uh, no. A third. I see. I would. If a team like the Packers. It's got to be, it's gotta be like a Packers. Exactly. Yeah. Then I would. Or, the, or even if – well, I guess you don't want to trade him to the Chiefs, right, because that's in conference. But I would say if, like, San Francisco, Green Bay, or – even like Minnesota, uh, New Orleans, came New to, Orleans. Uh, came to, Minnesota doesn't really need him. They got Jefferson and and Thielen, but like a team like New Orleans or somebody that came calling for him, I I would listen because he's not doing anything for me. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a nice possession receiver. That's about it. But did the Rams, with the acquisition of Von Miller, become the instant favorite in NFC? They did, and and I think if you looked, um, if you looked in the morning, what Matt Stafford's odds to win the MVP were, and what it turned after they grabbed Von Miller, I think it jumped like two hundred points. Um, it's crazy because, you know, I think it, it shows that now it's like Von Miller, who's seen double double coverage pretty much. He he, he demands two people off the edge. Either your your guard your you know your guy your lineman and then on top of that maybe a, a running back or someone. Yeah. Now he's free. He's free because Aaron Donald's taking two, maybe sometimes even three, depending. If he gets past two in the first two seconds, the running back has to then can't run any routes and has to come grab Aaron Donald on a chip right. block or something like that. So um, it's very it's going to be super 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 tough to now. You have you don't even have to blitz 
with the with Von Miller on the edge. You know, you don't have to really blitz. You can got you can sit back in zones, and you can you know uh, figure out other packages to hit him on from a secondary position because your linebackers and your front line is generating so much pressure that you know you you have Jalen Ramsey you know waiting to pick people right in secondary. Yeah. So it's scary. That defense now becomes scary. Granted, Von Miller, uh, he's had some ankle issues this year. Um, he comes back into, like, full form and, and, and does some damage. And I think he can do that because he's not going to see two off the edge. Very good. Um, yeah, man, I think um, – I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why Dante Fowler um, got so – I would say that would be – like, Dante Fowler, obviously younger – but and less accomplished. But he, when he went onto the Rams, I think he had like 14 sacks his first year because no one. I mean, Aaron Donald is requiring all the attention in the middle. So it's looking, it's it's shaping up like the NFC is very loaded at the top, um, because you're looking at in the NFC right now, man. The number one seed is the Packers. The Cardinals are the number two seed. The Cowboys are the number three seed. And the Bucks are the number four seed. And right now, the Rams would be the fifth seed in the playoffs if the playoffs started today, okay? Surprisingly, the Saints would be in the playoffs with the number six seed, and the Panthers would be the last remaining seed at number seven, okay? So based on the scenarios, the Packers would get the first round by. The Cardinals would play Arizona. The Cowboys would play the Saints. So the Rams, in essence, would have to play the Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs, but the playoffs started today. If they were to beat the Rams, they would then have to face the winner of Arizona and Carolina, okay, with um, – no, I'm sorry, I lied about that. They would then face Aaron Rodgers next. In, right, because, yeah, they were coming off the bye. By and then potentially have to face either Arizona or Dallas in the NFC Championship game. That is a hell of a murderer's road to run through. See, we always thought the AFC was loaded for for a bit, right? With Patrick yeah. Mahomes the last couple of years, and that the NFC now looks like it looks very, very competitive. Very competitive. We have three seven and one teams in the NFC. You have six and one Cowboys, so you have four teams with only one loss, and then you have the Buccaneers at six and two. There's not a single one loss team in the AFC. Uh, the Titans have the best and just record. look at their starting quarterbacks; like they're all like in the top five in their position, right? So yeah, you yeah. have like Rodgers, Murray, Prescott. Prescott missed a game, fine. Um, Brady, uh, come on, yeah, it's crazy. Whereas in the NFC or AFC, you have maybe Lamar Jackson. But right, so right now in the AFC, you know, looking at things, the top playoff pictures, the Titans are number one. Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback. Right now the Raiders are the number two seed, Derek Carr. Three-seeded Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Four-seeded Bills, Josh Allen. Fifth-seeded Bengals, Joe Burrow. So three, four, and five are young quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, right. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Six-seeded Steelers, Roethlisberger, and seven-seeded Chargers, also another young quarterback, and Justin Herbert. See, the NFC is more has your elder statesman, you know, yeah. more of, whereas your your AFC has just Ben, you know, Big Ben being the oldest. Right, Big Ben being the oldest, and then Mahomes if the Chiefs 
find their way into the playoff picture. He's also kind of been there, done that, having been to three straight AFC championships. I, I, you know what? I'm sorry to say this, but um, whoever said that Patrick Mahomes is going to regress this year was absolutely correct. Because fine, he puts up points. It's 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 great, but yeah. you know he, he's already thrown a pick. You know, Giants secondary is not phenomenal. Right. But hey, I, I don't. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make well, sense. We we talked about this. You you spend all the money paying the quarterback, and you're losing positional value in other places. You are, but here's the other thing about Patrick. Especially Mahomes. defense, I think. At some point, the interceptions were going to catch up with the way he plays. Yes. In 2018, his first full year starting, he threw 50 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. 2019, he missed two games, but he still threw 26 touchdown passes to only five interceptions. Last year, he played 15 games. He threw 38 touchdown passes to only six interceptions. This year, he already has nine. Interceptions are a lot about luck. And at some point, with how much he throws the ball, it was going to regress to where he was going to have a season where he throws like 16 or 17 picks. He was right. And the NFL, the NFL defenses are not – they're not, you know, they're not college defenses, right? They, you've given them now – solid three years of game tape to, to, to you know, uh, kind of prep against you, right? So they'll figure out your tendencies one way or the other. And here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes, we're in, the second quarter just started for the Giants game. Second quarter just started. It's, it hasn't even started yet. They're on a commercial break. It's about to start. Mahomes has already thrown 17 passes. Run. Why aren't you running the football? This is the thing. You can't put all this blame on Mahomes when you do not have a competent running game. He has thrown the ball. Darryl, but Darrell Williams is not your starting running back, dude. And, and for that matter, neither is CEH, right? Fine. So who, what do you do? you got to find something because he, he has to have a running game. Here's the, other, here's the thing. He attempted 580 passes in 2018, 484 in 2019, and 588 last year. So far through seven games, he's he's attempted 277 passes. He's on record to shatter that. He's on attempts. to attempt 600 plus passes this year. Right. You can't do that. Well, you know, if you attempt, let's just say the final number is 610. Okay, if you take 610 and you divide it by 17 games, that's 36 passes a game on average. That's, that's too much. That's too much. You know, I, I you know I'm not saying you can't have no. You could no. 36 is okay, but you can't do it every game for a full season. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's just the average. That's just the average. You know, uh, in fact, right now through seven games, if he's attempted, he's attempted 277 games. That's not counting today. 277 attempts divided by seven. He's currently averaging almost 40 passes a game. I, bro, their lack of having a run game is forcing them to force feed their Hills, their Kelseys, their Hardmans, uh, you know, and, and it's a deficiency because, you know, you can just, like I said, opposing defenses will, will just have to, they have to set up a really good secondary and make sure their their linebackers and their, their guys up front are doing their work. To, and the running back, you know, Clyde Edwards is hilarious. He can't. He can't run through a hole with his life depending on him, man. Like he can't. If he's generating no nothing, then the the your corners are just sitting back waiting for Patty to throw it. Yeah. 
just poor Patrick Mahomes. I feel bad for him because, you know, um, they keep saying he's the greatest to ever do it. Like, after his first two years, they're like, oh, yeah, he's, this guy's better than Brady. And I've heard all those takes, you know. Yeah. This guy's better than Brady. This guy's better than Rodgers. He's the new Rodgers of this generation. He's going to shatter all these records and blah, blah, blah. Peyton who? No, bro. Absolutely. I, and I said it then. I was like, you, you have to realize that, that the NFL, because he's gotten athletically better and smarter and the type of quarterback is completely different than it was back then, the defenses have changed too, dude. You have you have safeties that can play linebackers now. You have corners that can play safeties. It's it's ridiculous, absolutely nuts. Linebackers that that are smaller, but they can come off the edge, no problem, because they have a lot of strength to come I'm off. I'm not the edge. gonna sit here and say that he can't be better than Peyton or better than some of these guys, but it's so early to say it. You know, you're talking about a quarterback. He's got to do. He's got to do 20 years, 18 years, 17 years before he can start having those conversations. 15 at least, right? I would say after 10 years, you would probably know. Like, let's say. Okay, so 10 years of Rodgers, we started making those comparisons, right? I would say so. We did, yeah. And so let's say here's the thing: Patrick Mahomes has played in two Super Bowls. He's won one so far. Let's say in the next six years, he wins another Super Bowl and plays in two more. I think you can make the fair comparison, but the thing is, Aaron Rodgers, for all the success he's had, he's still only won one Super Bowl and only been to one Super Bowl. Right. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. And and all those fourteen and two teams, thirteen and three teams that that busted out in the playoffs, right? Yeah. That's that could be purely just Mike McCarthy for for all I care. But you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that he's been insanely efficient for his entire career. You know. If you, you know, look at teams, though, that have been consistent going to Super Bowls, playing in Super Bowls, really, you look at the Patriots. Well, let's, look, let's, let's forget the Super Bowl part. Like, let's, because he's young, he still has a long time to go. And, and you know what, maybe he does catch up with, with the number of trips. But I'm saying his, statistics, his stats, you know, from a statistical yeah. standpoint, he's got to be uh, – he can't have regressions like this. You know, you didn't – even if you did see it, you didn't see it consistently, right? What what was Aaron Rodgers' regression? What was Tom Brady's regression? What uh, you know? We saw it. We saw Aaron Rodgers' regression not that long ago, actually. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you what it was. And it was a couple of years ago when they were. There was a lot of talk about him not being the same player, but he he threw. Let's see. He played in sixteen games. Okay. It was 2019. Granted, he only threw four interceptions, but he threw 26 touchdown passes, 4,000 yards, okay? But his average yards per attempt attempt yeah. significantly. That that's, he, that's fine, but, like, that doesn't count really as a regression, per se, in my opinion. He, because he set the plateau for himself so high that it seems like a regression, but to the rest of the NFL, it's not. It's not, but at the same time, you know, he's had he's had bad years. 2010, his third year starting, he threw 28 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions. Aaron Rodgers has never been sloppy with the ball, though. He never throws a lot of interceptions. He, he doesn't. He's accurate. And his accuracy, look at his accuracy for the last 10 years, bro. The year that I was referencing, his accuracy was 60. Their average is 66%. So 62%. 4,000 yards was also the lowest amount of yards in a full season that he has ever had uh, going uh, since 2015 when he threw for 3,800 yards uh, in that season. So, 
yeah, the regression is is different for it's very relative to who you're comparing it to, right? So you know, people uh-huh. see six picks, big numbers, but he's throwing more interceptions this right. year. Right, right, right. But that is so really quick. I know we're over, but really quick, how are you sitting at with your with fantasy? Are you what's your records well, for both? This week in my friends league, the league I care about really. I'm five. I'm going to be five and three in that league. I actually. What's crazy is in work league I'm gonna win, so I'll be two and I'll be two and six in that league. Uh, but I I don't know. I'm getting a lot of guys coming back off IR soon. But in the in the friends league, I have the I have two of the top three running backs in the league, in Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. From a fantasy points perspective, they are numbers two and three in fantasy points, only behind Derrick Henry, and they'll pass him since Henry's gonna miss eight weeks or so, eight to ten weeks. But the problem is I don't have a single receiver in the top ten in fantasy points scored this year. Right. And I have a quarterback who's wildly inconsistent Lamar. fantasy perspective-wise. So, But now I feel like A.J. Brown might start blowing. He's finally turning the corner. He is. He is. He absolutely is. With Derrick Henry, he's going to be the focal point of the offense. 110%. And wait, you'll see Julio and A.J. Brown stock just shoot up now. Yeah. And then and then I'm hoping Justin Jefferson rebounds. He had a crap game against Dallas Sunday night. And then Antonio Brown comes back from injury after their week nine bye. Oh, no, it's going to be way past the nine bye. Um no, I was no. reading about him. I was reading about him that he's got a, a pretty significant ankle injury. No, he just said that he's expected back after week nine. Oof. I don't think so. He, I think he's going to be on snap count. I, he'll come back, but I don't. I don't know what kind of Antonio Brown he'll be getting back. Well, they still haven't gotten Gronkowski back yet either. So, um, some of the weapons have been depleted. But regardless, I'm sitting at five and three in my PPR league and six and two in my standard league. So. Doing okay. I gotta. I have a Lenny and Mike William, uh, Mike Evans uh, by next week. I gotta worry about. But I have Ceh and Kittle coming back. So let's see. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, we will be with you on um, Friday. Friday. So we will be back with another big time show on Friday. But we're gonna have Harlem Heat take us out. Thanks everybody for listening.